All right, we are talking about the name which is above every name, the name that every knee has to bow. I don't care what is going on in your life. I don't care if it is electronic. I don't care if it is sickness and disease. I don't care if it is demonic. I don't care if it's an angel. I don't care if it's a demon. Everything has to bow to the name of Jesus. And everything will bow, every being. Heaven on earth and under the earth will bow to the name of Jesus. And so there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. In fact, the name of Jesus literally means salvation. They really should have, in the New Testament, they really should have translated it Joshua for English because that actually in the Hebrew is the name Jesus, uh, but not to get too far off things. So Jesus means salvation, or Jehovah is salvation, or God is salvation. And so even when he came, they said, you shall call him Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1, uh, the angel appeared to Joseph and said, you know, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So, you know, he was thinking, like, she has been lying to me. There's another man and all these thoughts. And the angel shows up and said, hold on, hold on, peace. This is of the Spirit of God. Now, that was one time for Jesus. So if somebody else tells you that, don't believe them. But this was of the Spirit of God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I don't know what has come over me today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's look, let's begin with Hebrews chapter one and verse one. Hebrews chapter one, verse one. God, I'm gonna read it in a couple of translations. First, I'll read it in the King James and then we're gonna do a couple of modern translations. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself Purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, you are my son, this day have I begotten you, and again I will be to him a father and he will be to me a son. And again, when he brings in the first begotten into the world, he says, let all of the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he said, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But under the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even 
Thy God hath anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. Now I want to read uh, in the New Living Translation. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. Remember in our our last series on the power of confession or how to build a road, we talked about that. And even in, in the New Living Translation, it says that he upholds all things by the power of his command or his declaration. Praise the Lord. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. You know, he sat down there after he had cleansed us of our sins and not before. So he came to the earth and he lived and he is the very outshining of the Father. In other words, he is the, I'm not supposed to do this part right now. He is the express image of God. If you look that up, he is the very imprint of God himself. The same as if you were going to go to the mint and you're going to see how they print coins, that they have this exact image. And they print every coin from that exact image. It, that coin is an exact imprint of that image. Christ is an exact imprint of the image of God. He's the very outshining of the Father. That's where it says in New Living, the Son and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. For God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus. You are my son. Today I have become your father. God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. You know, Jesus existed in the beginning. Remember John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And all things were created by him, and without him, nothing was created that has been created. It was all through the agency of the word of God or of Christ, the word. All things were created by him. God also said, I'll be his father and he'll be my son. And when he brought his supreme son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. Regarding the angels, he says, he sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you 
more than on anyone else. Now we're going to read uh, from God's Word translation. You thought, I thought you had been reading from God's Word. I am, but this is God's Word translation. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors at many different times and in many different ways through the prophets. In these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. Remember what Jesus said? Uh, You've asked me all these things in John chapter 17, I think 17. Uh, But from now on, you're not going to ask me anything. But whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So Jesus told us how to pray was that we pray to his Father, which is our Father, if you're born again, in his name. Or as we talked about last week, when you use his name, you actually have the power of attorney. In other words, it's as if he himself has signed that request or signed that document or uh, given you his A badge to get into the White House. You know, he ain't got a red badge. He has a green badge. He can go anywhere he wants. And so it's like you have his badge and you can go. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors at many different times and in many different ways through the prophets. In these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. God made his son responsible for everything. His son is the one through whom God made the universe. His son is the reflection of God's glory and the exact likeness of God's being. He holds everything together through his powerful words. After he had cleansed people from their sins... He received the highest position, the one next to the Father in heaven. The Son has become greater than the angels since he has been given a name that is superior to theirs. God never said to any of the angels, you are my son, today I have become your father. And God never said to any of the angels, I will be his father and he'll be my son. When God was about to send his firstborn son into the world, he said, all of God's angels must worship him. God said about the angels, he makes his ministry messengers wins, he makes his servants flames of fire. But God said about his son, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter for justice. You have loved what is right and hated what is wrong. That is why God, your God, anointed you rather than your companions with the oil of joy. Well, you could like just finish right there almost, right? That's some of the most powerful words in the word of God. And just just amazing and very illuminating. Well, I want to I want to go a little bit different direction this morning. Um, we're we're still learning about the name of Jesus, but I want to read a couple other passages. And we I I quoted part of this in the King James, but John chapter one verse one through three. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not made that was, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, or did not overtake it, or did not understand it. If you're living in the light, the world may not understand you. If you're living in the sun, the world may not understand you. If you're living in the light and you're living in the sun and you're trying to live out of, you know, we're three-part beings, 
We are a spirit. We have a soul, which is a mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. Well, if you, if you try to understand and to comprehend the things of God from your mind, from your reasoning ability, or from your emotions, or with your body, you're going to fail, and you're going to get frustrated, and you're not going to understand. Because these things are spiritual, and they are spiritually discerned. John chapter 4 says that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Somebody said, well, I'm born again, and I love the Lord, and my heart is open to him. But you're always feeding on other things. You're always feeding on the latest shows, the latest Facebook, the latest this, the latest that. And you wonder, like, why does it seem like the Lord doesn't speak to me? Because they that worship him, worship means to draw near as to kiss. So I see it like you draw near in a very vulnerable way. If I'm drawn near to my wife to kiss her, I'm not expecting her to slap me upside my face. But she could easily do it or kick you or whatever. Because why? I'm going in, I'm drawn near as to kiss. I'm being vulnerable and I'm being open. And so when I do that, I come to worship God, but they that worship him must worship him. In other words, if you're going to worship him, you're going to have to do it this way. Must worship him in spirit, from your spirit, and in truth. In other words, around the word of God. Somebody said, like, uh, speaking of like Islam or other religions, you think, uh, well, that is a, uh, somebody that's uh, Muslim and believes in the, uh, Islam, they would be what you call a worshiper of Allah, which is not Jehovah God. That's a whole different message. But you could tell a Muslim by how they live their life. You're supposed to be able to tell a Christian by how we live our life, primarily by how we love. I should say primarily by how we agape which is the self-sacrificial kind of love, not a selfish kind of love or a sensual kind of love. And so um, if we're going to worship him, in other words, how we live, what we do, and our hearts drawing near, we're going to have to do it around the words of God. So if you're trying to fill yourself with all of this other stuff or just you're interested in this and interested in that and it's great to be interested in a lot of things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And then Proverbs 4, 20 and 21, my son, my daughter, my child, attend to my words, incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to all of their flesh. Psalms chapter, uh, let me read this real quick. Um, Psalms chapter one. It's at the beginning of Psalms. Saying it for myself. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. 
But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. What an amazing passage of scripture. And you wonder why you're not having the success that you would like to have. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. And you make your way prosperous and have good success. But I don't want to get away from Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man. Notice in verse 1, Psalms 1, 1. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man that walks. I want you to notice this. He says that you're not doing these things. Walking, standing, and then sitting. So first, you're walking in the council. In other words, you're going over here and you're passing through and you hear the counsel of the ungodly. And you, you kind of, oh, there's some, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, but I'm walking through. I paid a little attention, but I'm walking through. Sorry if I messed up the mic there. So, like somebody's saying, all this stuff, all this, well, oh, oh. I'm walking, but I'm kind of paying attention. Not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners. So now, instead of walking through, I'm going over there, and now I'm not joining in in my mind. Like if you ask me, if I judge myself. But I'm standing here, and I'm hearing all this, and I'm being exposed to all this. First, I was just walking through. And now I'm, I'm kind of hanging out. Well, what happens? Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So now, it's not just that I'm, I'm enticed by the ungodly and walking through, and I'm kind of like, oh. Now, that got my attention enough. I said, whoa, let me stop and think about this for a second. So if it was the ungodly, people that are not like God, and now, and things that are not like God, and books that are not like God, and, and movies that are not like God, and, and so I'm not... Well, I'll talk about that in a second. And so now I'm just standing here. Now I'm starting to think about this. Huh. And now I'm in the way with sinners. So before it was just people that are not godly. Now people are missing the mark. And so next what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit. And I'm going to sit down with the scornful. So first what happens you can almost see like this is a picture of how the devil grabs you and grabs people and, and, and gets to dominate them and take them because first I'm just walking and I'm kind of like, oh, that got my attention. And then, oh, it got my attention, so I'm going to stand here. And you know what I become? All of a sudden, now I don't even believe that Bible. I become scornful because I'm sitting there. So it's amazing how easy the path can be when we don't delight ourselves in the word of God. But it's amazing how easy the path is when we delight ourselves in the word of God. 
you'll be like a tree who gets water right at the banks, living water. Your leaf won't even begin to wither. And whatever, listen to that, whatever you do will prosper. Yeah, we kind of do this other, and we're like, well, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, things aren't working out, I don't know what's going on, and I'm confused, and I, I want to go this way, no, I want to go this way, I want to do this, no, I want to, well, because we're not delighting ourselves in the Word of God and meditating on it day and night. Do you know, let me tell you how to do that, you know, meditate is to mutter or to chew on, but you know what you can do uh, well, depending on how much time you spend in the Word, it'll be easier or harder. But if you take every situation, you just make this your, um, I don't know if you call it a litmus test, but it's a mainstay, something that's in you. And you just say to every situation, every problem, every thought, what does the Word say? But then do it in the message translation. <laughs> What I mean is, bring it down to everyday life. I love the King James because it's poetic and like, you know, Pastor Mark says, you know, it's like more accurate, you know. He just went to Europe last year and they're talking about all this stuff. And King James did carry a lot from the original languages. It carried a lot of the poetry that was in the Bible because in the, in the Hebrew and in the Greek, there is much more beautiful languages than English. And so there's a lot of things that you can't carry over in English as well. So anyhow, I'm not talking about that, but. But when you have situations, you just start speaking the word and you try to make it as practical and everyday language as possible in your situation. So you're speaking to that to yourself. And you begin chewing on that because you can talk any situation and you'll get a lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts. But you can think the thoughts of God about that situation. There's some people that have a lot of earthly wisdom and it's amazing to hear them speak, but it is nothing compared to God's thoughts on the situation. And so, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water, and whatever he does shall prosper. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Uh, know you not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman which has a husband is bound by law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives... She be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no longer an adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, 
even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. That is so good because we're not to live according to the law any longer. Jesus came and he fulfilled the law and he gave us one law and one law only and that is the law of love. Love God, love your neighbor. He said, verse four, wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Remember verse one said, the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. So if I'm walking in the way of sinners, sitting in the seat of the scornful, I am still living. I am still going after all of this stuff that I want. I think it's all about me. But if I give up my life, that's the only way to save my life. Remember what Jesus said? If you try to cling to your life and cling to, cling to everything you have and all your stuff, you're going to lose it. But if you freely give it up, then you're going to gain life. That is the truth. So verse 4, wherefore, my beloved, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, and that we should bring forth fruit unto God. That's the only way that we're going to bring forth fruit, is if we, I love in Corinthians where Paul said, you know, basically Jesus came and he took our death, our place, our punishment so that we could take his life because all of us deserve based on what we could do and what we could produce and what we could accomplish and how good we could be. We all, it says, if you keep all the law, but you offend in one point, you're guilty of the whole thing. You might as well have done everything. If you're going to do it, do it right. <laughs> But Jesus took our death so we could have his life and his nature so that our, uh, the nature that we live from and out of and that we produce when we yield to him goes beyond our own ability. I can be a particular personality and I can be too particular if I don't live by who I am in Christ. I call it jerks without Jesus. <laughs> My wife maybe has more... Amplified words for it. I don't know. <laughs> but though you're born again, I'm a pastor. Doesn't mean that I'm perfect. It doesn't mean that I continually live uh, conscious of the presence of God and only do what he says. I still have a free will. And if I choose to, uh, you know, start to listen to the wrong things or go the wrong direction, whether, you know, some of the things you listen to aren't things that you get from an electronic device some of those are just thoughts that, you know, Psalm chapter 1. And so if I listen to those, you know, Psalm chapter 1, if I walk in that way of the ungodly, all of a sudden I start to go that direction, I become less like God. Yet I'm born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, have an anointing from the Lord, standing in the office of pastor. But none of that makes a bit of difference in the world if I don't yield to the Spirit of God and live out of who I am in Him. Actually, you know, when you're in ministry, you're not, uh, you don't have any extra, what do you call it, tools to fight the devil or to put the flesh under than anybody that's not in full-time ministry. That's all the same. I just have an anointing to help you. So I could actually help you 
and be on my way to hell because I'm messing up. <laughs> Not really that bad, but I could be experiencing hell on earth. Yet I could still have manna from heaven for you because there's a difference between uh, an anointing upon you and an anointing within you, but uh, we'll go there later. Verse 5, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins or passions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit, but this fruit is unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit, not oldness of letter. Uh, I'll read verse seven, then I'll go back and come at verse six. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, I had not known sin, but by the law. In other words, I wouldn't have known I was messing up. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. So I'm thankful for the law. I'm thankful that I could therefore know I was messing up. I just talked to a, a, a friend the other day, and... Um, you know, he said, oh, man, he said, forgive me. He said, I was so self-righteous. I was so uh, into myself. I was so this and so that, and I didn't even have a clue about it. Well, without the Spirit of God revealing to us, we wouldn't know. You don't know your junk, you know. Brother Hagin used to always say, he'd say, um, you know, uh, the thing is, you can see my faults, you just, and, but you can't see your own. So you could tell me about my faults that I might not be aware of, and I know the only way you really get aware of them is if the Lord shows you, and you have to kind of be open to him for that to happen. Um, but so you, we think like, oh, I don't have any faults, but look, Eddie has all of these faults. I mean, I know you all think that. <laughs> but the truth is, sometimes um, there's a speck in Eddie's eye, but a plank in our own like Jesus taught us. But we're delivered from the law, verse 6, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit, not in oldness of the letter. I don't know if you guys remember this story, but we were in um, uh, an island in South Carolina on the beach called Hilton Head a couple years ago, and um, we're riding bikes, and Evie kept, my oldest daughter, kept going ahead of us. Well, there's a lot of traffic down there, and they have the bike paths that cross the roads, and so we didn't want one of the younger kids uh, or any of the kids in the front because they're still kind of young for that. And um, with the cars, we wanted to have, like, a parent. So I was, it was my job to be in the front. But my daughter, Evie, she kept going in the front. And she'd go in front and say, Evie, you're not supposed to be in the front. You know, she'd pass and do all this stuff, not because she's faster than me. <laughs> that has not happened yet. <laughs> but she just kept going. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. But you could, you could even tell in her demeanor, she was sorry she got caught. <laughs> she wasn't sorry she had done it. Except for she likes to, you know, please her parents, honor her parents. But she really just wanted to be there. And so this happened like two or three times. And, you know, of course, by the third time as a parent, you're just full of patience. <laughs> I'm like, your voice gets a little more stern. Evie. You know, because this gets can get serious, you know, cars and kids and stuff. And so um, then she kind of started to cry. And um, so I took her to the side and I said, Evie, 
I said, you have to change your heart. You're trying to just, oh, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. I said, you're going to fail every time. It's just a matter of time if you're trying to do it that way. You're trying to just be like, okay, what am I supposed to do? Oh, I'm supposed to do this. Oh, okay, now I'm supposed to do that. I'm supposed to do this. I said, you have to like change your heart. That you want to, from your heart, honor mom and dad. That you want to do what we're saying. And, uh, and she said, okay. And I don't even recall if we prayed at that moment or not. But she changed her heart. It was the easiest thing in the world. She didn't try to go forward. She didn't try to do this. She didn't try to do that. Maybe like 15 or 20 minutes later, she did again, and it just took one little reminder, and she's like, oh, yeah. She looked back to the place in her heart. So before she's not looking to the place in her heart, she's just looking to like what she wants to do, which is your flesh, or can your be your, your will, um, sometimes your emotions, sometimes your mind, your reason, if you're like, well, I got it figured out. You know, I have a son that's like that, where he's like, well, I got it figured out, so you can't tell me, you know, so I don't really have to listen to you, because I already have it figured out. Sometimes we're a son of God like that. You know, we're like, oh, no, Lord, I, I, trust me, I already know. And he's trying to prompt you. And he's like, just yield. I, I got something to show you. I got something to tell you. You're like, it's okay. I got to figure it out. I don't need your help. You know, we would never say that, but we say that. And so it's not an oldness of letter, but it's the spirit. It's the heart of the thing. And so when we yield to God that way and look to God that way, all of a sudden, all the stuff just starts to operate like automatically. And I'm not a mechanic, but it makes me think of like you got a car and it's not in time or something like, you know, I, I learned to fly an airplane. And one time, I don't know if my brother even knows this, might, might scare him. So one time I'm taking off at my hometown and I've got his oldest son with me in the airplane and, uh, I don't fly the fancy ones. I fly the little four-seater, you know. Anyhow, we're going, and you have to have carb heat because if the, if the pressure, you know, there's pressure in the engine, and if it's just the right temperature and humidity, then all of a sudden ice can build up in there, and then you have no power in the engine, so it's a big deal. So what they teach you when you land, you pull a little lever that is carburetor heat so that you're putting that heat back in there so if any ice were to build up, it, it wouldn't be able to. Uh, try to build up, it wouldn't be able to. And so um, you're supposed to push that back in before you take off again because you reduce your engine power when you do that. And so I was doing a, a change of people, one kid to the other, so I put one kid out and got another child in, and I didn't pay attention to that part. You're probably supposed to have a checklist, right? Well, I had a checklist, but I didn't use the checklist because I knew what to do. Not in a big way, you know, I mean, they teach you about all this, you know, just like, I'm the best pilot. No, 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 that was, you know, I was very, I'm a very uh, detailed flyer, but you still make mistakes if you don't stay with the word, you know. So anyhow, we take off, and I'm like, we're going down the runway. I don't notice anything. We're going down the runway. Start to take off, and I'm like, uh, I knew my airplane, it was not operating at full capacity. And I'm like, this is not good. Something is not, you know, we're not getting as much altitude, and I see those trees right there. <laughs> those trees are coming. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Lord, what is going on? <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, I was like, 
the carb heat. So I push it in, man, just like that. No problem. We wouldn't have hit the trees anyhow. We just were not as high above them as what I like to be. And obviously you can take off that way because I did. But what I'm saying is you're not operating at full capacity. And you're like, something's wrong, but I'm flying. I'm getting off the ground. Things are working, but something is not quite right. And it seems like it's a lot harder than it needs to be. And I was a lot more nervous than what I wanted to be. Because I was like, this is not good. Something's not, something's not right. And so I'm starting to think, I'm looking. Like, where's the biggest clearing? Like, if I have to, you know, because they teach you when you fly, you got to know if your engine quits, where can you crash land? Um, and so I'm looking for where we're going to land, what we're going to do, and I'm looking to see if there's any air traffic in the area for where I come back, uh, all because I wasn't operating, or my aircraft was not operating at full capacity. And so sometimes we get like that in our, in our lives, and we're kind of like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm not operating at full capacity. Well, you have to go back and look at the checklist you have to go back and look in the word of God because all things were created by him and without him was not anything created that was created. And so that includes peace and joy and love and righteousness. It all comes through Jesus Christ. And if you're born again, sure, you have the love of God in abundance poured into your heart, and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But if you don't become conscious of that in your spirit, you will have this wonderful thing, but you got the carb heat pulled out. So it's not operating at maximum capacity. And so you're, something's there all right, and you're like, well, I got this engine in my aircraft, but why am I not getting altitude? Why am I, like, I'm kind of getting scared I'm going to hit the trees. You know, it's one thing to go down by yourself. It's another thing with your nephew. Sorry, Josh. You know. <laughs> that was years ago. I don't know if you ever knew that or not. Anyhow. Um, but you're, you're just not operating at capacity, even though you have the equipment. It's part of the package. But it all comes How? Through the word. Jesus said, my, you know, yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the only way to live the life that God has planned for you and that he wants you to live and that he wants you to experience, and it's not the Lord is so awesome. He can do more than one thing at a time. I'm male, and sometimes I can only do one thing at a time. <laughs> but he wants you to live a life that blows your mind and is out of this world because he loves you but not only that, do you realize not only going out and telling people with your words and your tongue about Jesus Christ, we are to do that, 
But do you know how you live in your life affects other people more than what we will ever comprehend on this side of heaven? Your attitude, the amount of trust or faith in God that you're operating, that you're allowing to flow through you, how... I mean, I, I had a guy volunteer for me at the church in Michigan, and that guy, he was so happy all the time, and he had been, man, he taught sinners how to sin before this. Uh, I should put that in the right order. <laughs> I mean, he knew how to, I guess, uh, sin to the max. And so he was forgiven much and cleansed from much, so he was grateful for much. So he was always so full of joy. And he'd come almost every other week. He'd come to church, and he'd have another story of somebody that wanted to know, why do you always have that smile on your face? What is that? Well, do you think that joy that he had on the inside was just for him? No, of course God loves you, and he directs his love towards you. If you were the only one on the face of the earth... Christ would have died for you, shed his blood for you, paid the price for you, and rose again for you. But it's not about us, per se. It is because he directed our love, his love towards us. But it's also about the world. And we have a direct impact on the lives of people by how we live our life. If you're living anywhere for any length of time, you know, you could go talk to the neighbors. We had a, we lived at a rental house and, um, in, in uh, Gainesville for a little while. And uh, one of the people, our neighbors, had a um, security clearance. And so the investigators came and talked to all the neighbors. Why? Because they wanted to know how he lived his life. And those around him noticed how he lived his life. And so for us, there is none other like Jesus. And there is no other way to live a fulfilled, godly life except through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. Well, that's initially when you accept Jesus Christ, but that is throughout your Christian life. If you're going to try to go to God without going through Jesus, uh, you're not going to make it. In other words, if you want to pray and you're coming based on, well, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for so many years. I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, evidence of speaking in other tongues, and you know, I serve in the church every week, and I do this, and I do that. And you're going to say, so here's my request. The Lord's... That's going to keep you out of the presence of God. Because that's like, you know, remember Jesus talked about uh, the sinner? And it was a tax collector? No, a Pharisee, rather. And the Pharisee said, he prayed, thus and with himself, the Bible says. I love that quote. <laughs> you know, oh, Lord, you know I give a tenth of all of my income down to like the most minute amount. And it says that the sinner said, oh, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. That one, the sinner, went away justified, not the other, not the Pharisee. 
Why? Because he came by the mercy of God. And Jesus Christ himself is God's mercy. In other words, he didn't come by uh, the works of the law or what he had done or self-righteousness, but he came um, by the mercy of God. So when we go to God, anytime you go to God, you got to come by the mercy of God, by what Jesus Christ has done and who Jesus Christ is. And the way we do that is we come in the name of Jesus, in the name of salvation, in the name of deliverance, in the name of safety, in the name of preservation, in the name of soundness, sozo. Jesus was given a name above every name. He inherited it from his father. And I don't have time to go into it because we are already a little over. But he didn't inherit that name when he was born in the flesh. He inherited that name when he was born from above, just like we inherit the name of God when we are born from above, God. I was Tim, and now I am Tim, the child of God. And if you accept Jesus Christ, you're the same. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, I pray if there is someone under the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ personally, not, not a religion, not a head knowledge, but Father, a, a relationship. I pray if there's someone under the sound of my voice that doesn't know Christ right now, Father, that you draw them, that they would see the truth and the light in the name of Jesus, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning or watching online and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you this morning. There is no life like the life of Christ. There is no life like the life of the believer who gives up themselves to accept the life of Christ. If that's you here this morning, I want you to slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and for you. If you're online, I'd like you to email us at info at anchordc.org. If you're here this morning and you are born again and you were in the house of God but you have let other things come in and drown out the voice of the Lord, you're in what we would call a backslidden state. You can get right with God right here, right now. I invite you, come forward, slip up your hand. We'd love to pray with you and pray for you. If you're here, You've never been filled with the Spirit, the evidence of speaking in other tongues. There is an experience subsequent to salvation that the Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where you're enabled from the Lord and you receive power from on high. If that's you here this morning and you'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I invite you to come down. In the name of Jesus.